Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide, that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have Dr. David Kendall. He's a senior global medical advisor at Zeeland Pharma. And we're going to talk about uh, peptide-based medicines and innovation and treatment of severe hypoglycemia. Uh, David, thank you for coming. Richard, thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, and I, I guess it seems like you've been in the uh, diabetes area for, what, 40 years or so. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a bit about your background and then how it led to you working uh, with Zeeland. Yeah, well, I've been uh, fortunate to have been a part of a pretty exciting um, almost four decades of innovation and uh, discovery in the diabetes space. Um, and for people who know diabetes well, they may know um, that this year marks the 100-year anniversary uh, of the discovery of and the first use of insulin as a treatment for diabetes. So I've been around for a fairly significant portion of that. My career in the diabetes space, believe it or not, just started as a student worker where I was given an opportunity to work in a diabetes research lab back at the University of Minnesota, my medical alma mater, and really fortunate to have entered the diabetes space then. Um, Probably prior to these 40 years, diabetes was still a bit of a conundrum. We did have insulin and a few other therapies available, but really over the last two or three decades, um, there's been an incredible era of innovation. And beginning from the 1980s onward, we had the discovery of and the use of things like recombinant human insulin um, modifications of insulin, and then the introduction of literally dozens of other types of therapy to help care for people with diabetes. And you tie that, Richard, to a bunch of technological advances, uh, things that now seem commonplace, like allowing people to test and monitor their blood sugar using finger stick testing to um, where we are today for a lot of people, particularly those with insulin requiring diabetes, 
you use something called continuous glucose monitoring, which is a device that's placed on or under the skin. It's worn continuously and allows uh, either your smartphone or a receiver to give you an estimate of what your blood sugar is literally every five minutes. So that's what's happened in the four decades I've been around. And as I said, it uh, was really fortunate um, in many respects that I entered during this era of great innovation. Yeah, well, tell me about Zealand. What's uh, What kind of products are they working on? Yeah, Zealand is a company that uh, similarly has been around for um, literally decades, but a bit of a quiet player based in Copenhagen, Denmark. Um, Zealand is uh, committed to innovation in the peptide therapeutics space, as you talked about. Um, and for people who don't know, peptides are the little proteins, typically the ones that our body makes and builds that either are building blocks or are ways for the body to send signals and manage um, a lot of the internal functions. So things like the body's enzymes are, for the most part, peptides or proteins. Mm -hmm. Something I mentioned earlier, insulin um, is a peptide. It's a bunch of these building blocks or amino acids that are synthesized and then uh, put together and usually released by the body to go give signals to other cells and organs. And what Zealand has been committed to is taking a lot of these naturally occurring proteins or peptides and looking at them not just as ways to control the body's function, but to modify them in ways that they can hopefully be applied for the treatment, the management of human disease. Uh, and a couple of the very first that Zealand has brought forth have been modifications of naturally occurring proteins or peptides in the body. One is a peptide called GLP-1 or glucagon-like peptide 1. And many years ago, scientists at Zealand synthesized something called lixacenatide, which was a, a cousin um, or an analog of the naturally occurring peptide signal. That was ultimately out-licensed uh, to a third party, Sanofi, and uh, was developed for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. More recently, Zealand has been focused on two or three major areas, um, and that's the treatment of metabolic diseases, the most common or well-known of which is probably diabetes, um, but also what we call gastrointestinal diseases, disorders of the gut, stomach, and intestines that can affect uh, people in various ways and lead to human disease. And most recently, Richard, what was developed was an analog of the naturally occurring peptide glucagon, peptide called dasiglucagon. Um, and what glucagon does, um, for lack of a better term, is it really counteracts what insulin does in the body. Insulin is primarily hormone that helps the body utilize energy, takes blood sugar from the circulation and drives it into cells to either be used as energy or stored. And what glucagon does is it counterbalances that um, and prevents the body from driving blood glucose levels too low. So glucagon counter-regulates or opposes the effects of insulin. Dasiglucagon was developed um, first and foremost as a potential treatment for episodes of more serious or severe low blood sugar called severe hypoglycemia and was recently reviewed and approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration as an emergency treatment, an injection of dasiglucagon for the treatment of severe low blood sugar in adults and children um, ages six and above who have diabetes. How does glucagon act versus glucose? Why not just have, uh, you know, pop some glucose tablets instead of glucagon? 
Yeah, um, it, they, they ultimately hopefully achieve the same end. You can swallow some glucose, which raises the body's um, glucose levels. But uh, in uh, the cases of, say, more severe or emergent uh, levels of low blood sugar, where someone may not be as aware um, or may have their ability to take in food impaired in some way, then glucagon given as an injection can help the body release its own stores of glucose. So again, in particular, in emergency situations, glucagon can raise the blood glucose level when taking in glucose tablets or oral carbohydrate may not be appropriate. And then, of course, if someone is either losing consciousness or has impaired levels of consciousness, having someone, a caregiver, give this shot of uh, rescue therapy to raise glucose, which then raises their level of alertness or wakes them up where they can then again take in carbohydrate or glucose tablets. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. So this glucagon shot, is it in clinical use or where is it at? Yep. Um, so glucagon, the native peptide or protein that the body's made for literally millennia um, was first developed, but it was developed um, back in the 1950s and 60s as a powder. So it had to be stored as a powder before it could be given as a emergency therapy had to be mixed up with water drawn back up in a syringe. So it was uh, uh, something called a glucagon emergency kit, which while effective, obviously required additional steps. So what dosiglucagon and other uh, what we call next generation rescue products allow us to do is to stabilize that glucagon molecule so it can actually be stored in the liquid form. In the case of an innovation brought forth by Eli Lilly, it was made into a powder that could be given into the nose. But uh, to have preparations that didn't require all that mixing and preparation, dosiglucagon, the one I mentioned developed by Zealand, can be stored in a refrigerator for three years in this liquid formulation. It's actually stable in uh, conditions like room temperature for up to a year until it expires. So taking away some of the complexities of storage and mixing. And that's what uh, dosiglucagon and newer preparations uh, allow people to do to have it at the ready should a severe low blood sugar event occur. So what causes uh, low blood sugar events? Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. The most common thing is a mismatch between the amount of sugar in the body or the amount taken in and the dose of insulin that insulin-treated diabetes patients take on a regular basis. So if there's a mismatch, um, more insulin was taken than food was consumed, or sometimes if you combine insulin treatment with other means of clearing glucose in the body like exercise, or there's a delay between when someone takes their insulin and when they can take in food, there can be that mismatch, which drives blood sugars first below a threshold we call level one or level two hypoglycemia. 
So to a point where the body isn't likely to get enough energy. And if that becomes serious enough, as I mentioned earlier, you can have uh, things that go beyond just symptoms, the body not getting quite enough glucose to impairing people's level of consciousness, ultimately leading to things like unconsciousness, even seizure, um, or in rare cases, death due to the fact that the body cannot get enough glucose into the system. But it doesn't, does it ever happen from for dietary reasons or it only happens because people are taking exogenous insulin and can overshoot what they need? Mm-hmm. Yeah, by far and away, the most common cause is that imbalance uh, between insulin injections um, and other factors. But there are uh, conditions, um, uh, some individuals who undergo bariatric surgery like gastric bypass procedures can have low and even dangerously low blood sugars as a result of uh, very complicated uh, interactions between how food is taken in, how the body releases insulin. And there are other um, rarer conditions where hypoglycemia can occur even in the absence of diabetes and insulin injections. I think it's important to note, Richard, that there are other diabetes medicines that people can take uh, by mouth for type 2 diabetes that can cause low blood sugar, um, and in some cases cause severe low blood sugar. So insulin injections, the most common cause, but there are other reasons that severe low blood sugar can occur. So what's the effects of uh, hypoglycemia that's really severe? What does it do to the body besides the acute problems it causes? You know, long-term, does it have any effect? Yeah, um, you really hit on it, that it's the short-term problems that give people the greatest concern because loss of consciousness, even seizures and other uh, changes that can occur when blood sugar drops suddenly are certainly the ones most well-known. And while there's some controversy, people who have repeated bouts of low blood sugar, certainly it can be a profound disruption to their day. Um, The fear of having another low blood sugar can for some people result in a lack of desire to keep blood sugars well controlled, something we try to do in those with diabetes. And at least in some selected cases, having repeated bouts of low blood sugar does have effects on both brain function, brain tissue development, and severe low blood sugar can also affect other organs. We know there's a higher risk of things like heart attack and heart problems in people who have severe low blood sugar whether a direct or an indirect cause. So both short-term and some pretty serious long-term consequences can result from low blood sugars. What about the effects of the glucagon shot? Are there any uh, trade-offs or negative effects Mm -hmm. of it? Do people that need it tend to have chronic problems and need it multiple times in their life? If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Yeah, so... Simple answer is when you give a glucagon shot to rescue from a severe low blood sugar, the most common effect is it raises blood sugar. That's why it was uh, available too, and the newer therapies are now approved for the treatment of severe low blood sugar. But we know when given at the doses that are approved for that rescue therapy, that certain effects of glucagon um, inducing nausea, in some cases vomiting, can occur, and that's really a consequence of giving these high, high doses as part of the rescue therapy. So uh, things like nausea, vomiting, in some cases, diarrhea, headache can occur from the acute shot um, or injection of glucagon. And then the other effect, obviously, is it can raise blood sugar and blood sugar can overshoot. 
So in individuals who've had a low blood sugar event who take glucagon, often it not only corrects the low blood sugar, but can push it to higher levels, which in the short term is obviously the goal to get it out of that dangerously low range. But patients who take it then will see a higher blood sugar um, and it requires some balance and some patience to understand what those long-term effects are. And, and while glucagon is given for these rescue therapies, um, we don't really have lots of data on what happens when you either use it at lower doses long-term. That's something that's being investigated as a potential therapy to give a little bit of insulin and balance it with a little bit of glucagon or doxyglucagon in the case of our Zealand asset. Um, but those are investigational uses. Um, uh, for people who've needed one shot, we know that people who have one severe low are at higher risk for having another one. So at the very least, they should have their rescue therapy on hand. But beyond that, um, the untoward effects of long-term use really aren't either well understood, but certainly there are not uh, long-term deleterious effects that are common. Well, what about if an insulin pump could also include glucagon? So that if mm-hmm. there's a, uh, you don't want the pump obviously to to put to have the person go back and forth, back and forth. But in case it happens, maybe it should be incorporated so that the person can uh, they don't have to go to the hospital or get a you know an emergency treatment. Yeah, absolutely, and it's what I alluded to, Richard. Um, you know, having insulin in there is like having only an accelerator that drives glucose down. And then you have to back off on the insulin and hopes you have some balance in the system. But the body is at least in part designed to have multiple hormones sort of working in concert and having insulin and glucagon or a glucagon-like molecule like doxyglucagon makes good sense. And I said this earlier, but we Zealand and many others are looking at what a bi-hormonal system might look like. Um, and in fact, uh, we at Zealand are working on so-called bi-hormonal artificial uh, pancreas or pump systems that give both insulin and as needed can counteract that with uh, small doses of glucagon in these dual hormone or bi-hormonal pump systems. One of our partnerships, the one that's uh, most advanced uh, is in collaboration with a company called Beta Bionics. And Beta Bionics has developed a two-hormone pump system where both insulin and a glucagon-like molecule, um, in the case of our partnership, using doxyglucagon because it's stable, can be put in this pump, um, is currently under investigation as a potential treatment for insulin treated diabetes. So I'll emphasize that that's investigational, but something we are actively pursuing, looking at a balanced system, a dual hormone or bi-hormonal system, rather than an insulin-only system as one potential treatment, not only to improve the control of people who live with diabetes, but to do exactly what you suggest, which is to provide a balance between insulin and glucagon. I mean, would it make sense to also include somehow, you know, administering glucose inside of a pump as well? Like what if you would mm-hmm. have glucose and insulin and glucagon and you had an AI system or, you know, machine learning system that would try to, yeah, I know they have to eat obviously, but it would mm-hmm. also be like a backup system that had all the tools necessary at its, at its disposal to help somebody. You've hit on something that a lot of people have both dreamed of and tried to conceive, which is 
not just using the hormones, but giving glucose or energy in a different way. That can be challenging. And there are none that I'm aware of that are currently under development using continuous infusions of glucose, but that can be done in rare conditions, for example, where the body over secretes insulin um, in an abnormal way, uh, sometimes glucose infusion through the vein or pumped directly into the stomach through a gastrostomy tube can be used. Uh, the challenge there is glucose needs to be given in such large amounts and large volumes, um, as opposed to very, very small volumes that are needed for insulin and glucagon. But those balanced systems, um, in the case of the two hormone pump system, using algorithms, which you called AI, is, is really part and parcel of that. The machine understands what the glucose level is, whether it's going up or down, and it adjusts the infusion of the various products, insulin, dosiglucagon, other things, in an attempt to not only prevent the highs, prevent the lows, but keep things in balance. What's the future of uh, Zealand's products? What's next? Well, um, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, dosiglucagon um, was recently reviewed and approved for the treatment of these severe low blood sugar events in adults and children, um, children ages six and above. That's where it was tested and the FDA reviewed and approved it. That uh, is something we call Zegalog. That's the brand name for dosiglucagon as a rescue therapy. Um, it is approved for use in the U.S. Um, and will be launched and available in pharmacies and, in to, and to patients and clinicians within the next uh, few weeks um, here at the end of uh, June and into the summer months. Beyond that, as I've already alluded to, we have a number of programs where we're investigating the use of dosiglucagon because it is stable in this liquid or aqueous solution. Um, it can be used in pump systems, either the two hormone pump systems for the treatment of uh, insulin requiring diabetes. Um, and then in other rarer conditions, um, we have an active program in a rare pediatric condition called congenital hyperinsulinism. And congenital hyperinsulinism is a condition where kids are born and have excess or dysregulated amounts of insulin, and they suffer recurrent episodes of low blood sugar. Giving dosiglucagon as a continuous infusion is being studied, investigated as a potential treatment for that condition. All of that separate from the emergency use that I talked about that's already approved um, and will be available to patients living with insulin-treated diabetes. Okay. And, and who should think ahead and find out about getting, you know, this this glucagon supplement or this glucagon shot, uh, shot, you know, should yeah. they have it ready? Like what, what kind of clinical conditions or what kind of um, issues, if someone has them, should they speak to their doctor and see if this, this would be helpful for them to have on hand? Great question, Richard. And uh, that's been one of the challenges in this area of low and particularly severe low blood sugars. Um, most people don't want to think about, nor is it always easy to plan for emergency events, this is much like epinephrine for allergic reactions many years ago. You know, epinephrine was available, but it wasn't readily available to a lot of people with things like peanut allergy or severe bee sting allergies. But now carrying typically pen devices that administer it um, can rescue people from those severe allergic reactions. Severe low blood sugar is no different, particularly in anyone who has insulin requiring diabetes, type 1 diabetes, or insulin treated type 2 diabetes, and specifically anyone who experiences 
even moderate levels of hypoglycemia, these so-called level two events, where blood sugars drop into the 50s um, re repeatedly. Um, and any individual who has suffered a true severe event where they needed the help of someone else, paramedics, a trip to the emergency room, family member to historically mix up one of the traditional glucagon emergency kits and give it to them. Anyone who's been in that circumstance, they're all advised to have a plan in place, talk to their caregivers um, and have a rescue therapy, um, whether one of the traditional kits or we hope going forward, one of these newer generation rescue therapies like the Zegalog um, asset that I've talked about that was developed by Zealand and will be available soon. So those are the key characteristics of people who can and should be better educated, better prepared, and can have an emergency rescue treatment like this available to them and their loved ones. Okay. Well, very good. Well, uh, Dr. Kendall, again, let's restate. What's the website to find more about Zealand and uh, your um, work? work yeah, certainly uh, to look at Zealand at zealandpharma.com. Um, and uh, as we mentioned, um, the approved therapy um, for the treatment of severe hypoglycemia is Zegalog, that's Z-E-G-A-L-O-G-U-E.com, Zegalog.com. And, uh, you know, learning more about both what Zealand does um, and what we have available uh, uh, in our research pipeline, um, looking at peptide-based therapeutics and their application for the treatment of a number of health conditions. Um, and more importantly, uh, being aware of uh, what is now available for the treatment of severe hypoglycemic events, um, including Zeglog. So we appreciate uh, your attention to this. And Richard, thanks very much for allowing me the opportunity to chat with you today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for coming. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.